Love. It seems like Hathaway is one of the most prominent figures who has posed this question in public, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of us have already wondered themselves privately、um, what love is, what love means, what love can be. And this is also the topic of this podcast. It's going to ask this question what is love?、Um, That often seems to be quite simple and straightforward, right? Three words, nothing else. And then, if we look at the answers, there's this infinite ocean of possibilities of what love can be. And we are setting out to explore this ocean and those different possibilities of how to interpret, how to live, and how to love、um, within or without a relationship in this podcast. So you've noticed it's not only about love; it's also about relationships. And the name of this podcast could have also been "What is a relationship?" But、um, it doesn't sound that catchy, so I think we stick with "What is love?" to begin with. When I came up with the idea of this podcast, I had this picture in mind of being on an island that basically represents the context I grew up in, and. The ideas of love and relationships I found to be normal and found to be socially accepted or desirable, and that this context island somehow is in the middle of the infinite ocean of what love can be, and that I can only see as far as the shore, and explore the possibilities of what love and relationship. Can mean to us only within my little island, which is quite、um, restricting. And when I set out to meet different people in different contexts,、uh, thus to stay in the metaphor to to go to different islands,、um, I realized that there are a lot of other possibilities of how a relationship can work out,、um, of how love can be lived. And that's a bit how the idea to this podcast was born. So this is also what I would like to do、um, now that we together go on this journey to,、um, yeah, step on a little boat and just cross this infinite ocean of answers of what love can be and stop at different islands of, yeah, basically in different contexts. Uh, talking to people who have grown up very differently, who have different ideas about love, different visions, different missions, and、um, and to talk to them to find out what else is out there. And thus, the aim of the podcast is not to present、um, the correct answer to this question. Right?、Uh, it is more or less a rhetorical question. We don't really look for the one answer. We look for How this could possibly be answered, and what is out there, and how this can be lived. Okay, welcome to the first session of the podcast. What is love? I am very happy to greet our first guest here. It is Mo, and I think before we start, I just want to say that 
no questions need to be answered. Whenever you feel uncomfortable or the like, you just say skip or anything else and we will move on to the next question, okay? How are you doing, Mo? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for um, giving me a chance to be on this podcast today. I am good. I'm feeling good today. How are you? I'm very good. Very happy to hear your voice uh, and I'm excited to get started. Me too. Okay, why don't we just start with uh, you? And I think best would be that you present yourself. Who is Mo? Where have you been so far? What are you up to now? Where do you want to go? Well, my my complete name is Mohammed. Mo is a short name for Mo. I am from Sudan, from North Sudan. Um, sadly, I haven't really traveled much. I've just been to two, three countries in my life. I've been to Egypt, I've been to United Arab Emirates, and I've been for most of the time in India. Um, I actually uh, grew up, uh, you can say, half in Sudan, half in India, but I'm not really that Indian as a person would say because of the number of years I've been here. Um, I'm not, I'm really, like I would say, I'm glad to be in India right now because um, there's just so much of opportunities here. Like there's, uh, uh, I'm in a university called JNU, Jawaharlal Nehru University, where I'm just reading and working on myself every day. And uh, I'm glad to be here right now. Thank you for that quick presentation. Um, I'm excited to, yeah, and I think also everyone is excited to get to know you better throughout the conversation we will have. So you know that the name of this podcast is What is Love? And that's why I would like to give that question straight to you without excuses. What is love to you, Mo? Well, all right. Love. What is love for Mo? Well, for me, in its basic term, it just means um, respect, um, trust, and, and loyalty to your partner and um, spending um, most of your life with someone while you're committed to that person. And most important thing, you got to enjoy each other's company. I mean, if you both are in love, like um, you have to, not have to, but you know, you got to find ways to enjoy each other's company because that's the reason why you guys are together and to support and um, uh, help each other to reach goals in life and enjoy life, you know, as a journey, because to be honest, it's not that long. And once you enter a relationship, what do you expect from your partner, if you have any expectations at all? To be honest, there aren't expectations, but of course, like every person has some things that maybe can bother him or her. So like the uh like if you're in a relationship with someone, you should know what your partner uh will feel like um if um if he or she will like this or not. So you gotta understand what your partner uh likes uh likes and dislikes. So for example, um if you are gonna surprise your partner, you gotta know your partner does he like surprises or not. So it's not really expectations, but it's just to respect the other person and knowing that um, how you can 
really uh, live uh, comfortable in this relationship and um, just maybe you can say uh, going with the wind as you know I, I would put it like in short all right and do you expect something from yourself once you enter a relationship well from myself i just expect to to not be a hypocrite because <laughs> most people will say i don't want this in my relationship this 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 and then they do the exact opposite so of course uh i i, I try to focus on my my actions on myself and i try to focus on how i can make this relationship a, a better relationship how we can both benefit from it the most um, I try to focus on what makes my partner happy, how I can help her in her life. And um, yeah, just trying to maintain a, a healthy balance, a healthy relationship. It's often quite a private topic um, that you might discuss with your best friend or just keep to yourself. How do you go about it? Uh, who are you generally discussing these topics with? Or are you rather keeping your thoughts to yourself? Well, usually when it comes to love or relationships, I usually discuss it with some of the guy friends that I have, you know, it could be just like a casual like question, hey man, who are you seeing like these days? Are you like uh, seeing someone? So just usually like these questions, just like this topic just pops up and I just usually like discuss like a light topic. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing this, this person, it's been this many, like, you know, this much time with this person. So usually just with the guys, you know, when like we're having a, a guy talk, those are usually the guys who I discuss with like about my relationships. That's interesting though, because I think the stereotype goes that guys have a hard time talking about their feelings. So you would say that's not really true in your case? Well, we don't really talk about feelings. We just talk about who like I am with or who that person is with, but you don't really go deep. It's just like, you know, like, like what's your relationship status right now? Like right now, are you with someone? Are you like single? I usually stays on the surface level. It doesn't go more than that. So it's more like uh, talking about the hard facts. Yeah, the hard facts, like a surface. Like, who are you with? I'm with this person. Okay, thanks. Next person. Usually that's on the surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. So is there anyone else you talk the deeper stuff with or... Do you just keep that to yourself? Not really. It's just myself. Uh, just myself. If if I have someone in my life, if I have a girlfriend, then I yeah, then I can discuss with her like all the deep feelings or what I'm feeling about. But then it's just you can see no, nobody. So I'm even yeah happier to know that you're here with us today, talking about a bit more than just surface, <laughs> and uh, yeah, getting a bit deeper. Um, is this a is it a topic that you can also discuss uh, within your family well um yeah i guess so my my family is kind of liberal liberal family we usually talk about but then it's not really like something encouraged or you can feel feel it to talk about it because um I, i come from a muslim family and in islam talking about relationships or Like girlfriend, boyfriend is not that easy unless like it, it differs from parents to parents, how open they are, but usually not really. We don't really talk about it. It's like a secret topic. 
All right. Yeah, I think we will definitely talk a bit more about uh, the the topic of having a religious context and having a relationship within it. Um, but before we go over to that, uh, well, you grew up in Sudan, and I can imagine that many listeners, including myself, have only like a very faint or sli- slight idea of what has happened politically there, but do not really know what's going on in people's everyday life. Um, so could you share with us, just as a young man from Sudan, how love and relationships can look like in everyday life in Sudan? And I know it's like a very um, yeah, straightforward question and maybe a bit big. So if we break it down, imagine you find someone interesting and attractive. How would you go about approaching that person? Well, in Sudan, just like any other country in the world, you see someone you like, you just go approach that person, you start talking. But then being in a, in a Muslim or Islamic country, it's kind of like hard because people are always looking at you. Like society doesn't accept this idea of just a man just going to a random girl and just start talking to her. But now, I guess with the revolution, now we have a new uh, government that's going to change the regime in my country. People now more open, society is more open, and also many uh, people who have come from outside Sudan, like the many people who are, who are like originally from Sudan, who be living outside, mainly in Western uh, Europe, and they came back to Sudan in, in, in huge numbers. So these people are also changing the, 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 the mindset of the local people about relationships and about everyday life. So now it's getting easier to just talk to like a random girl, like, hey, I really think uh, you're cute. Uh, do you think we can get to know each other? Could you give me your number? And that's becoming more or less you know, accepted or acceptable these days. But if you say like five to 10 years ago, it was really hard. Like people will look, like give you that dirty look, like how dare you talk to that girl, you know, if, if she's your, not your sister or she's not related to you like by blood. But now it's getting much easier. It's more open. And you just usually just go talk to that person, whoever you like, whether it's a girl or a guy, and just like get to introduce yourself and just exchange contacts. And that's how you start. And then, of course, it depends upon you and your, your skills and how you can convince a person to go out with you on a date or something then that's like your your confidence level and from there it just you know flows until it becomes a relationship hopefully yeah so would you say the initiative is from the boy side generally or could also a girl approach a guy that she finds attractive and ask for his number for example well a girl could also come but girls are usually shy i think it's it's everywhere like, everywhere in the world usually guys go to the girl and, and just like introduce themselves it's of course girls can also like approach guys even in my country but it's kind of like a rare situation because I think girls expect it over there, especially in, in, in Arabic countries, girls expect a man to, to man up and come to her. That's how it is. That's also an interesting uh, way to phrase it, the man to man up and come to her and ask her. But yeah. I think, yeah, actually it holds true in many contexts. Um, even like in the German context, I think that's uh, something that is expected Um maybe not as much as before, but still uh, quite, um, yeah, yeah. A very typical situation, you could say. And yeah. where would you go to meet somebody? A bar or club or just outside in the park? Well, we don't really have a, a bar. We don't really have clubs like, you know, dance clubs because it's a Muslim country again. Usually you'll be in a, in a cafe or a restaurant 
or yeah, you could just meet up in, in a park, you know, that's where usually, in my country, we have the Nile River. So on the river banks, yeah, these cafes, you know, that are facing the river and just like the weather is good, there's wind blowing. So you just invite your potential date to that location and just sit down, have some hot beverage and just, you know, get to know each other. That sounds indeed like a nice location. I can definitely picture the setting. That yeah, it's actually a, a place nice setting. It's a nice setting. And then let's say, okay, you've seen this girl, you found her attractive, got her number, and you have the the second or a third date meet up uh, alongside the Nile River. Mm-hmm. Is there any specific pattern you have to follow within those dates? Uh, any specific structure, like socially uh, expected structure? Or can you just like personally decide when and where to meet? Well, um, so if a girl and a guy start dating... Yeah, then they can continue the relationship, but then, um, of course, there, there comes a time in relationship where you have to get physical, right? You just cannot just, like, be just talking, you know, just for conversation level. So when it comes to the physical side in relationship, that's where it's taboo. That's where it's not allowed, especially in, in, a, in a Muslim country, before marriage. So if you really want to get physical with your partner, like if you want to have a good time, then you have to get married before that it is looked down upon and if like society or people catch catch a couple doing wrong things then these people are usually reported to the police for engaging in in any say activity illegally before marriage so people are really scared about doing wrong things you know before marriage I see, I see. And a wrong thing, would that imply a kiss or like more intimacy? Intimacy, yeah. Like uh, having, uh, having sex or kissing, these things are looked down upon before marriage. And what kind of punishment awaits you if the police, let's say, catches you kissing with somebody that you're not married or engaged with? Well, if you take the more strict, we have like a set of laws called the Sharia laws. If you know about it, it's called the Sharia, Sharia law. Sharia law dictates, dictates that uh, a person who, who has been caught doing uh, uh, engaged in an um, uh, intimate situation with his or her partner, that person is subject to, I think, 14 whips, 14 whips. And I think there's also prison time. And as for, for the girl, I'm not really sure what punishment they await, but then I think the family is just, you know, if people get to know from which family this girl is uh, like is from, then that family is also looked down upon in, in a way, because like how can a girl who's not married engage in, in such act? So usually the family is like uh, shamed, you know, dishonored, and the man is actually whipped 40 times, you know, and sent to prison for like a year minimum, something like that. All right, so that really sounds like something you would like to avoid. Has it happened to any of your friends? Well, not really, not really. Because usually if that happens, if you, you can really get out of it by, because you know, the police are kind of corrupt. So if you can just bribe them, you know, just pay them off, then you can really easily come out of it. And then most of the other time, people are just very smart about it. They just wouldn't do it anywhere. 
So we just like go to a private residential area or something like that with the chances of getting caught, like, you know, are, are very less. I see. So there is a way around it somehow. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's say you, you don't want to like sneak around anymore and you really want to get serious and you want to yeah. get engaged with someone. How, yeah. how does that happen? What kind of steps do you have to follow to get engaged with a girl? Well, to, to, to get on the right step or right uh, foot, like to do the, the things with your partner in a legal way, the next step in a relationship is, is uh, marriage. So before marriage, people usually get engaged. And to uh, get engaged to someone, it's usually the first step is by the male. Uh, the guy, he has to go ask for the, the girl's hand from her father. So in a way that um, the, the guy has to set up a meeting, he has to go to the girl's house, meet her family, usually her brothers or her father, and need to sit down with that person and tell them, hey, I'm really interested in your daughter, and I would really like to get serious and get married to her. And the thing is that the, the permission of the father and the brother is really a big thing. You, have, you need to get the permission of the family. There have been many instances where the family didn't agree and that person, like that girl or that guy, that guy usually the girl, she, she ends up not getting married for a long time because the parents or the father usually objects to every potential groom. So the permission of the head of the family who's a father is a really important thing. Okay, so if your family doesn't approve your partner, do you have any other options to convince them? Or would you just say, okay, topic settled, I have to look out for somebody else? Usually look for someone else because a marriage without the blessings of your family is also looked down upon. And who wouldn't want uh, their family to be there in, a fa in, in the marriage? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I think family is, is often important uh, depending on the context. So yeah. I can understand why you would uh, want to have their blessings, definitely. Yeah. And let's say, okay, marriage is approved, your family is okay or even happy to have uh, this new partner in their lives as well. Um, how does how does the celebration look like then once you have fixed the formalities? Well, after the, fa the father has agreed uh, uh, the, the, the groom, then the next step is um, they go to to the mosque, where in the mosque they meet the head of the mosque, and that person is called imam. Imam is, is the head of the mosque, and a formal agreement is, is made where the family of the groom and the family of the bride, they are there in, in, uh, in front of the imam, he is a witness, and then they signed papers that this person is getting married to this person and anyone objects, anyone who, who was against his union, please say so. They all agree, they sign papers. And after they sign the papers, like a, like a, like a agreement under the, the, the state, state law, state government. So when that is done, then the next step is the, the groom. He has to give like something called in India it's called the, the, the dowry. Dowry is actually like an amount of money that the groom has to pay to the bride's family or to her. So now the next question is why this money and what's this money used for? 
So then this money that the groom gives to the bride's family is used for expenses. Expenses as in clothes, jewelry, gold, candy, and not just any kind of candy. Candies like uh, Ferrero Rocher or Macintosh, the expensive, you know, candies, perfumes, lotion, creams, also food items, sugar or tea. So this is the money that the groom gives to the bride's family to be spent on the things that I just mentioned. And then when that when that happens, they're they're formally engaged. Like engaged, they're they're like fiancés. That's done. And then usually two months before actually like the marriage happens, they have to like there's a waiting period before two months. Like engagement, they gotta wait two months and then, then the marriage comes. Where and within those two months, they live together already, or they're still separate? No, they're still, they're still separate. The brides would have mm -hmm. family, and the groom at his place. So in these two months, the, the, the bride, she prepares herself. She prepares herself in a way that she tries to um, work on herself. Like, for example, in my country, there's a tradition, tradition of, like, where... A, a, a bride has to prepare herself something called as dohan. Dohan means smoke. So smoke is actually that comes from burning of wood. And this wood is actually like scented wood. Scented wood as in like it's, it's with perfume. Like when smoke comes out, it smells of perfume. So it, it usually has many health benefits, health benefits, where the smoke is like uh, comes out of a hole where like the wood is burned in a hole and the bride she has to sit in this hole like or, or, or with the help of like stool or something and she has to remove her clothes and she covers herself with a thick thick blanket thick mm -hmm. blanket because then the smoke that actually like of course she she covers only her body not her face her face is like open the smoke gives lots of health benefits like it makes her skin uh, soft you know it makes uh, has lots of health benefits that I really don't know about but this is like a tradition and if the bride is, is skinny or she's underweight this is her time to also gain weight because in my country it's also a tradition that the bride should, should be like thick you know healthy she should be of healthy weight you know she shouldn't be underweight or skinny so she gets to work on herself, eat, you know, and prepare herself for the marriage, which is usually like two months after the engagement. That's interesting. So the Western stereotyped um, ideal beauty queen who is like super skinny and a model wouldn't be that uh, attractive. Of a nice bride in Sudan. Not yeah, that attractive. It wouldn't be that attractive because, it, of course, it depends from person to person. I mean, like personally, I, I like a girl that's fit. I wouldn't want someone who's thick. But then in the eyes of society and those who are like traditional people, they think a girl who is skinny or she is not that, you know, uh, thick is not, you know, <laughs> beautiful or pretty according to their standards. But that depends from person to person, family to family, and people to people. It's not the same everywhere. Very interesting, yeah. I think um, in, in the German society, a lot of girls get stressed out because they want to be extra skinny. So 
I don't know if you're the right person to ask this question since you're not a girl and you're not in that position, but mm -hmm. do you have maybe have girlfriends who get stressed out because they want to be more chubby and they don't achieve it? Well, I, uh, to be honest, the only, only person who I dated from my country was when I was in high school. And that was also a time when I was young. So I'm not, I haven't really had the experience of having a, a girlfriend who was really so conscious about her weight. So I really wouldn't be able to help you or tell you about that. Maybe we will find a girl from Sudan at some point and then we can also have her in the podcast. Yeah, hopefully. Then she'll tell you how conscious she is or she's not about her weight. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how does the man uh, prepare during this uh, two months period? Do they also have certain rituals to follow or what are they doing? Well, the, the male job is to get as much money as possible because marriage is really a huge expense in my country. Because you have to like, um, it's like a, you're not just marrying the, the bride, you're marrying like a whole family feels like it with lots of expenses. Like then the man has to um, reserve the hall, like the wedding hall where everyone comes, like the both the families, bridal and groom families, neighbors, uninvited people, people you don't know. So there's so many people who just show up to the, the wedding hall and the expense all the expense that the, the bridal the bride side has to do if they have to prepare dinner they have to prepare dinner uh from their side to to um to all the people who are going to be there in in the hall and also one more thing like the bride's mom she also prepares traditional sweets you know for the groom's mm -hmm. family so that's also one of the things that the, the, the bride's family does. Um, they're also, just like I think in Western society, you have like a bachelor or bachelorette uh, party before like one day or two days before marriage is a party, right? Like the last yes, time yeah. you're single. So mm -hmm. also the same thing also happens. Uh, the groom could also have um, a party. It's actually called the henna. You know what's henna? Henna is like henna, a, a, the yeah. thing you paint uh, with, like a paste you put on your uh -huh. on your hand, you know. And then in, in India, I think it's very popular henna with like different designs, you know, on on your hand. So there's also a henna party which actually uh, happens in the groom's groom side where he, him or his brother they all put henna on their hand. And there's actually they also hire like a live singer. A live singer singing local songs you know so there's also live singing there's henna party there's food and also the same thing also on the bride side she also has her own party where she calls her friends her family members where they have their own party and one thing is important that in this uh, private parties there shouldn't be someone from the other gender so in the groom's party there shouldn't be a female or in the bride's party, it shouldn't be a male. That's one of the, the rules. And then comes the day of marriage. Say this two months over, okay? Then that day, the the groom will go pick up his bride. She, he'll pick her up from the, the uh, uh, beauty parlor, where she goes to for makeup, you know? So he goes to pick her up after she's done with all her makeup. Then they go to take professional pictures. They have to take pictures before the marriage 
so then they go to the pictures after taking pictures then they go to the hall the wedding hall where everyone is just waiting to see how the bride looks that's the only thing and they just start judging and you know passing their own conclusions and their own thoughts no one even asks them but they have to pass the, their, their comments and that's the wedding and uh, usually the bride and the groom they also dance they have like their own private dance you know just them usually mm -hmm. they hire like a dancer also to help them with some dance moves so they wouldn't embarrass themselves then they do that and then uh, oh beforehand you mean before the marriage before even the marriage practicing with yeah, a yeah. dancing teacher yeah yeah wow that's commitment they do that yeah because then they have their own uh, private dance they got to show you yeah, we are a solid couple we can dance you know in a way <laughs> <laughs> so that's there and then the marriage is completed that's interesting so it sounds like a lot of pressure but also a lot of fun um yeah definitely sounds very very interesting yeah um so you would say in general like the financial situation especially of the groom is, is quite important um would that also be something that for example the father of the future bride asks you when you when you're asking to get engaged with exactly the exactly he asks you are you financially stable can you handle this because it's a big task you know and lots of expenses and even more importantly after the marriage can you manage the expenses of my daughter like would you be able to give her a good life you know like a good life you know which is comfortable so you have to take this responsibility to start a family even in our religion it says that before you make it get married make sure you are financially stable you have steady income and does the financial situation of the bride also play any role well if she wants to help her partner if she wants to support financially that is between her and her husband but when the first step is made by the groom he needs to be financially stable because he be mm -hmm. first asked before the bride you get me if, if they want to work as a team like they want to um, share the expenses if they want to share the income like who pays what that's up to them but before that the groom has to be stable financially stable all right that's interesting yeah um so okay we've we've talked a lot about marriage and there are a lot of interesting features that i've never heard of before so thank you so much for sharing this all right. um what happens if after a couple of years or maybe decades you feel like mm, i don't want to live with that person anymore is there any possibility to get separated or divorced so usually when it comes to divorce it's okay like if there is no more magic between there's nothing like no chemistry between partners anymore then divorce is a possible solution it can be easily attained but usually if um if uh the man he asked uh, his wife is it okay if you still want to be married to me and i marry another wife because in islam you're allowed to have four wives right but then he has to get the permission of the first wife then he can have two wives if she still wants to be like married to him but you know there's nothing happening between them there's no sexual activity between them 
if she, that what she wants. But if she wants to completely be separated, that's also possible. She can get her divorce. They can all go their, their, their separate ways. And that's socially accepted as well. It is accepted, yeah. It's not really a problem. Like, it, it, it didn't work out. So there's nothing, they can help it. So then it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Um, on a different topic, I would be very interested to hear if there is an LGBTQ community. So if it is okay to be, um, to have another um, sexual orientation than the classic man loves a woman one. Well, um, we don't really have uh, the LGBT community in my country. Uh, we, like the people, society, even the religion, it doesn't support uh, same gender marriage or love. It's a taboo and no one really uh, accepts it, especially in an Islamic country because it goes against our religion. So we don't really have it. So you don't really see that happening or you, people might just go to another country if they have the chance and if they want to live a different kind of love life, you think? Yeah, if, if a person has an orientation towards the same gender, then the best place they can do is go to a non-Islamic country where they, where like they are accepted, accepted by society, where there are laws to protect them. But as long as uh, this person is an Islamic country and he feels he has an orientation towards the same gender, then that person can never be safe or comfortable. Like nothing would happen to that person. No one would really do anything to them. But no one would really like um, support it or, or will, will accept it in any way. So it would be almost impossible to get the approval of your family, for example. Well it's not even impossible you shouldn't even mention it that's how, how bad it is mm -hmm. yeah yeah i see so we've seen that the country on the context you grew up with are quite uh, decisive when it comes to love and marriage now you've uh fam you're familiar to two quite distinct but also in some way similar contexts: the context of sudan and the context of india um, since you spent a long time in India already. And um, I just uh, would be very curious to know if you have noticed any parallels maybe that you haven't even expected before coming to India between your own country and um, love and relationship in India. Well, if you want to ask about the parallels between India and Sudan, I would say family is very common. And family really plays an important role in both the countries. But in India, it's a bit more like um, a bit mo more deep. Where families here, they have something called as arranged marriages. Arranged marriages is when the family chooses the groom or the bride for their son or daughter. Well, in my country, that can also happen. Like if the son or daughter says uh, mom or dad can you please find me someone you know of your choice that can happen but usually that choice is given to the son or daughter who they want to get married to 
And then after they choose their partner, then the parents sit down with that person who their son or daughter chose. And then they decide if this person is right or wrong. So in India, usually arranged marriages is the only way. They like the parents put like a condition. If you want to get married and get our blessings, it only has to be through our person who we choose for you arrange. But in my country, that's not the case. Like you bring your, your, your whoever like person, your, your candidate you want to like get married to, and then we'll review that person. If that person we like, then you have our blessing. Oh, I see. So family plays a big role both in Sudan and India, but then if it comes to the case where the family picks uh, your partner or your future bride or, or husband for you, uh, then it, it gets quite um, different. Yeah, more uh, serious in India. Handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Okay. Um, well, I think I've got one more question. And... Um, it is not neither connected to Sudan or to India anymore. Um, it's the question that love is often said to be complicated, I think, in almost every context. And drawing on your own experience, uh, do you think that holds true? Well, okay. So, if I, I believe that love could be anything a person wants. If you want it to be complicated, it will be complicated. If you want it to be easy, it will be easy. It depends on the person's thought or their the, the, how the, the, they think of love. For me, love comes naturally. It comes over time after spending time with a person. So for me, if I'm compatible with a person and uh, we understand each other, and we know like how will my partner or the person I'm with will like it or not. Like I know it, you know, because of experience. And if things are like smooth, you understand the other person that the other person telling you, then of course, like uh, you are compatible and then love just happens over time because of spending time with that person. Usually uh, people meet and um, to spend time together but then in between there's lots of fights there's lots of misunderstanding and then there's lots of fights and misunderstanding becomes most of the part then like having a good time or spending time with each other that's when i understand that two people are not compatible and it just becomes mm-hmm. toxic it just becomes a toxic relationship so that's when i think it's time to really like end it in a very peaceful and nice way like i really enjoyed our time together and I really think, you know, we have lots of complications. We are not compatible. So let's end it in a peaceful way. So it's all about compatibility, understanding your partner, being respectful, uh, honesty, being loyal. These are the things that are there. Or I'll give you another analogy. It's like building a house, a, a, a house, say, with three floors. If your, your base, if your, if the basis of your house like the cement or the metal that holds the structure is weak, the whole house will fall. But if your base or if your infrastructure is strong, like as in your relationship, then no matter uh, how long it takes, like the weather of time, anything comes, then to, it will stay strong. So it all comes down to the, to the foundation of relationship. That's what's really important for me. And it's not really complicated. 
as people really think it is. That indeed sounds pretty straightforward. And I think it's also a good note to end this podcast on. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for sharing all this very, very insightful um, and interesting insights. I definitely heard a lot of things that I've never heard of before. And I'm just very happy to have had you here today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Then enjoy the rest of the night over there in India. And thank you so much again. Uh, good night. Oh, I don't know why you're not fair. I gave you my love and you don't care. What is right? What is wrong? Give me a sign. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt.